Here we go. Merry Christmas, everybody. Why am I blanking on Christmas music now? I was going to sing something and I'm like, uh, it's the most wonderful time. Welcome in, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's not technically Christmas yet, but it's the Christmas weekend. Make sure you can hear us. Make sure you can see us. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Uh, it's definitely not hasn't been a wonderful week <laughs> for Tesla investors, but it's a wonderful day anyway, because we're surrounded by our awesome community. So welcome, everybody. Welcome all. Welcome to the thing. So anyway, Remo, Borghand, Kuba, Brian, Olaf, bro. Like we're, we're just right on. We're right on theme. I love it, dude. This is so amazing. So lots to talk about. We're going to spend the next hour or so uh, discussing Probably <laughs> most of it is going to be the space that Elon Musk was at yesterday on Twitter, which got a lot of attention. And I think a lot of retail investors were like, thank God, finally, <laughs> we got something, <laughs> something to hang our hats on to move forward. And um, yeah, so it's, it's going to be very exciting. And then towards the end, uh, what we'll do is we're going to try a new thing with uh, our community. So we're going to do about an hour. And then afterwards, we're going to take the discussion to our a private Discord. So we have a private Discord. And then we're going to you know, potentially expand the, the pool of folks as well that are part of the community. They're not necessarily, you know, they don't want to be on camera. or They don't want to be uh, discussing this. And we'll have another hour to an hour and a half of discussion there. So if you want to join us there, consider uh, supporting the channel through Patreon or YouTube. Um, otherwise, just come hang out. Drop your questions in the comments, your comments in the comments section, and then we'll take it from there. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. Who has some thoughts? Who wants to kick it off? Because there's a lot to talk about here. So who wants to share their thoughts first? I'll open it up to the panel. Sure, I'll go for it. Yeah, I thought the Twitter Spaces thing yesterday was fantastic. And I think it should be a regular thing. Um, I would prefer, you know, I, I don't mind if he doesn't show up in, in, at any further uh, earnings call and he just does the spaces. Um, I, I That's fine. And if he did it like every couple months, I think it was great. And I it definitely was a way of calming retail shareholders. Uh, at least I felt that way. And um, I thought the forum was great. Um, I did I did note a couple things, and I when I was watching. So all that is great. I'm really happy. I bought more shares yesterday. I held my nose, but I bought more shares, and I will sometime today. I'll do it again. Um, but three things kind of stood out to me. I didn't like the fact that he kind of froze out Gary Gary Black because it came to his question, and that was kind of where it terminated. And I don't think it was coincidence that he terminated right at Gary's question. I didn't like the fact that he didn't, he still kind of dismissed responsibility for the most recent share drop. He kind of went back to his macro analysis and uh, asserted that. But, I, you know, Tesla in the last 30 days is amongst its own, let's say. Its, its performance has been singularly bad amongst the marketplace. And I think just dismissing it like it's all macro, um, I think that's not a, a reasonable way of looking at it. But three, here's the, the my still biggest concern. Uh, I see Twitter basically the equivalent of like crypto. So the way I mean, I mean is that it's designed to be decentralized. You, you don't want the government to control speech. So in this case, Elon, in effect, runs Twitter, and he's also the main communicator on Twitter. And that is not providing a forum for free speech. That is dominating free speech. Um, if he wanted to run Twitter, 
then I think the result is he has to take a much more passive role in communicating on Twitter. And I think that's the fair resolution. As now, he's still dominating and we still suffer the consequences. So I'm with him. I'm supporting his Twitter movement, but I wish he didn't communicate on Twitter with the frequency that he is, because I don't think it's fair to everybody else. Okay. Yeah, thank you for those thoughts. Uh, anybody want to add uh, anything there? I have a few that I, that I have in mind, but I want to make sure uh, anybody wants to go. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, so, you know, yes, it was a common. There was some, you know, the commitment to not sell um, for at least a year. You know, that's a good thing. If he had made that decision just after he did the last sale and just came out right away and said, I'm not selling anymore, maybe that uh, would have helped uh, us not go down another, what, 40 bucks? Yeah, because it was at 170, I think, when, when he did the last sale or something like that. So it, he immediately came up and said, okay, that was it, you know, publicly, not just here. He could have done it, you know, not just in the Twitter space. He could have done it. So that, you know, I'm great that it's happened, but it, you know, the whole technical chart damage would have been less. So, you know, again, it would have been nice if it happened earlier. Good to happen now. Still, ultimately, big picture, it's more down to, you know, the stock and, and the actual execution performance. So if, if January 2nd comes out, great. You know, because you have, um, like, the uh, Lambert guy from Electrek coming out saying, oh, you know, need a PR to need a PR. It's like, you know, and then he says it could come up with 415k deliveries, 415 220k deliveries in, in January 2nd. So, you know, that is where things hinge. Like, you know, did they produce the cars? You know, the rumors of 100,000 in December in China and stuff like that. So that's the big swing, right? Where um, I think that Troy Teslake has an early nail on that. So it, this is just going to the fundamental thing of like, you know, how do things execute and deliver? From my view on uh, Twitter is that, uh, yes, he wants to get the um, free speech and things like that. But I also think, you know, he sees it as a means to make, you know, a lot of money. Like, like yes, there's a couple of, you know, WeChat and, and some other things in between, you know, TikTok in between him and um, uh, Twitter and uh and Facebook and YouTube up at, at 3 billion, some users, but the, a properly run Twitter with video, with short video, with uh, WeChat payments that can grow to a billion, some people. Unfortunately, that means he'll be even a bigger target because if, if it's not in line with the whole uh, Democrat mainstream, whatever thing, then he's on the other side of it and the attacks, you know, will continue. But, you know, um, Fox News has survived fine under all, all that attack for decades. Um, yeah, so I think it's, it's more making that thing making money, that that um, <clears throat> getting the creator content stuff, you know, making money so that, you know, us who are on YouTube can also go over there and, and make money. And then to get the payments, you know, 250 million people on payments, 90 million in PayPal. So if he gets even half to go over, he's big, we're bigger than PayPal on that side. And that's worth $90 billion. So it is something where, you know, those who underestimate Elon saying, oh, he can't do it, can't whatever, is that there's certain levers he can pull. Once he stabilizes the ship, he, he gets, as he says, to 
um, to break even next year, he's going to have the programming and stuff to say, build this, build this, build this, that will, you know, a little bit of code that, oh, we do payments now. And a little bit of code, we, you know, have better creative content, do better videos, get that monetized. So the the tweaks to on this fixer upper of a, of a thing is something that she can take and make huge. And um, the interaction that I see on the Twitter side with, um, with SpaceX, because SpaceX will start launching Gen 2 satellites, which are the, um, which um, <clears throat> there was a, some, uh, another company that they launched, uh, which put one uh, demo satellite with a large fold out array, 50 some square meters, something like that, that can communicate directly from ground earth, low earth orbit, but two megabits per second, maybe higher, which is the same as the Iridium satellite. So Iridium has 50 satellites up there. They do there, and there's several other companies that do um, ground to earth satellite communication, but they do it from higher orbits with fewer satellites. Um, so sorry, goes rant, rant on this thing. Um, but uh, <clears throat> if Elon launches a few thousand of those other ones, he's 100 times bigger than, than Iridium. But the bigger deal is that when you add up those things, he can do virtually unlimited text and voice with a few thousand for all the T-Mobile customers. Mm. So then, but the thing is, uh, you know, low bandwidth, you know, relatively low bandwidth, but still, you know, several thousand at two megabits per second with an ordinary phone, not a special satellite phone. And what's the short messages? Twitter's short messages. He can backbone his entire thing, unblockable, his own provider gateway. He can make his own phone. One, he gets more T-Mobile guys on. So you're paying, say, 10 bucks a month or 20 bucks a month. He splits it with T-Mobile and any other company he, he does it with. And then he signs up the other guys, Verizon, Orange, all that stuff, right? He splits, okay, you you get five bucks, I get five bucks. Or you get 10 bucks, I get 10 bucks. Depending on how, how much people go. At a fully deployed Gen 2 satellite thing, which could take two years, if he gets the Starship going, then he can offer 2G, 9.6 kilobit communication everywhere to a billion mm -hmm. users. So that's so that's monstrous. And, he, and the number of customers he'd be dealing with, and if he has a Twitter thing as his front and center, right, for communications, you know, then he's got his. So you're viewing things. the Twitter plays like a, just a long-term telco sort of like. Uh, it, it weaves yeah. in really, really well with yeah. the telco side. It, it's but also like he's going to you know Tesla, SpaceX are going to hundreds of millions of people, right? Like, yeah. you know, you know by 2030 we'll, we'll say 100 million Tesla users. But the SpaceX side with um, Starlink and then with the ground to Earth satellite communications he can get to a billion in a hurry. Yeah, that and makes then, a lot of sense. And the power yeah. of that is insane. The power of that yeah. also would explain if, I don't think the others, the, the political people see it because they're, they're not thinking about it, but it's, it's the kind of thing where the <clears throat> Elon punches in combinations, right? That, you know, in Tesla, there's, you know, the insurance, the FSD, whatever, those things combined. The, the, the Twitter, communications and the and SpaceX satellite stuff, those things are powerful combina one-two punches, right? So the people who only look at it from this, oh, advertising and, and whatever stuff, and they don't look at, because he has so many pieces, it's like, yes, you could have said, if Elon only had Twitter 
back before he had SpaceX and back before he had um, Tesla. They say, oh, you're, you're looking at the most dangerous entrepreneur with nearly a trillion dollars worth of resources with 70% of the satellites in the world in orbit, 90% of the launch capacity. And then you're saying, I'm going to bet against him because he can't figure out advertising. Like, what the fuck? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, fair enough. But, you know, it's like, it's like so, but that, that the, the Twitter SpaceX combination is intensely yeah. powerful. Yeah. So, no, that's 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 amazing. No, thank you so much for providing that insight because I, I I myself had a hunch that there there has to be some sort of interplay between his his uh his organizations because he's been so good at outlining over the long term how these things fall in together. And Twitter was sort of the nebulous one, but that that's a piece right there that makes a ton of sense and it would bring a lot of value, especially to developing nations uh to for communication and bringing them into the rest of the call of the metaverse or where people hang out and talk. And now we've added essentially a few billion people to that conversation. So that's extremely powerful. Um, Remo, Kuba, or Olaf, any, any thoughts? Twitter space, Elon, Tesla, what Brian just dropped on us. What are you guys thinking? Who wants to take it? I can take it. Yeah. <clears throat> Quick technical question is, because uh, I see Brian that you thought about this uh, satellite to ground communication. But as far as I understand, it will only work if you have view of the sky, right? So that's uh, quite a big disadvantage when it comes to comparing to 2G, where it works in the buildings as well. Or am I wrong? Um, um, I think, um, I, I, if you check the iridium, but I think you can work in, in a building. The worst case, you, you need some kind of antenna. So mm -hmm. at the lower speed, um, yeah. So, well, I can get um, satellite you know, before I could get, well, no, you have to take the satellite dish outside. Um, yeah. So, so maybe you need to line, line of sight to, to the thing, but <clears> if <throat> the, for texting, it would um, cache, right? And mm -hmm. then if you were to work on your ground station stuff, right, which they, you know, the, each of the Starlink things is basically a ground station, you could have it rebroadcast um, to, to, to reach inside mm -hmm. buildings, right? Yeah, that makes sense. And, yeah. uh, and, then, and it's about the Twitter space, uh, Farzad. Uh, Elon said it twice that he didn't miss any important Tesla meetings in that time, and that the team is doing really well, and that they're working on new products, etc. The execution mm -hmm. is fantastic. Mm -hmm. So I got a feeling that maybe it's a case that uh, he's a bit uh, like emotionally. Uh, not in, in line with, with all the retail investors, because from his point of view, everything is really great. What are you guys worried about? Tesla <laughs> is doing great. You have a buying opportunity. So just buy the dip and calm down. And possibly that's maybe what was on his mind. But it seems that he changed his mind, possibly due to the relentless complaining. And possibly yeah. that's why he did the, the space, I think. And I also wanted to say that uh, uh, Ross was... Uh, conducting himself really well during that chat. I was surprised because he was getting quite annoy annoying recently and <laughs> changed the tune a little bit. Shout out, Ross. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he, he became quite supportive. And yeah, and when he was talking directly to Elon, he was a bit more polite. Yeah. Well, knowing knowing Ross, I mean, I, I I've talked to him a couple of times. So he just he just strikes me as a really good guy. He really he really is. He's just 
I and this is in no slight to him whatsoever. He just likes he knows how to drive attention and he's a he's a yeah. good looking dude. So he's gonna be in front of the camera shouting, you know, from the sky and he's gonna, you know, bring the attention and drive a message that he thinks is important. He's he's and he has a marketing and add you know background so he has a, a lot of uh, experience in doing that so i think it's just a lot of what we saw with him was i don't want to call it an act i think it was just it was just a way for him to really drive his message in the most powerful way possible but then you know from my experience when these guys get in front you know face to face they're just dudes they're like hey listen like this is how we actually feel so uh i agree with you i think it was awesome and then i also loved on twitter he uh because Elon was like, maybe you should read the, uh, uh, what is it, uh, uh, Exchange 101 book. And then he posted a picture of himself with, was like, hey, I started up all night reading it. So like, it shows the characters like, hey, guys, like this is, it's important stuff. But in the end, it's not like, I don't think, I don't think the individuals that are critical or are bashing like, quote unquote, Elon are not, they're not doing it out of malice. I think they're doing it because they legitimately feel like there is a gap and they're, and they're doing it in their own way, in their best way. To bring attention to it um on the, on the yeah. twitter exchanges i also liked when uh, meet kevin said that stop it guys i cannot have my daddy and my boyfriend fighting <laughs> yeah. ross replied who's your daddy <laughs> yeah yeah he, he's a, he's a he's hilarious he's so funny i agree with you too on the on the point of there's some disconnect between um elon and and how the how the retail investor feels because he sees it every single day and it's but we don't and that's the problem because <laughs> all of a sudden he's like hey this is a new thing now bye and then he goes missing for a month and we're all like what the hell what the hell happened and he's, he's like okay so are you like stupid you don't think tesla's gonna do great you don't think i'm going to meetings what are you guys thinking and it's like i think that's the mentality that might be for right or wrong and it's more like hey guys like i've taken you to the place before i'm going to take you there again chill but i think once you have a retail investing community and people that are legitimately concerned it <laughs> there is disconnect so i agree with you too i think i think him going on the spaces was a was a recognition of of that gap for sure at least a step towards that to try and i, and I wonder how much the the board was like okay elon like we're getting a lot of pressure like what's going on here like let's do something let's 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 give them a little bit of attention at least and, and get them sort of re-engaged into what it means to be a Tesla investor potentially. So, um, Rema, I saw you come off mute. What are, what are some of your thoughts? Uh, and plug your channel while you're at it. Yeah, absolutely. So I run a YouTube channel as well um, about Tesla, Bitcoin, minimalism, um, all those good things. Yeah, first of all, Farza, thank you for creating the Supercut. It really um, yeah, saved me a lot of time. I wasn't uh, able to catch the, the live I did it for uh, you. The, the live space. <laughs> Yeah, I, I really loved like the, the share buyback thoughts because personally, I'm also not the, the biggest fan of a, of a share buyback right now. And to really reiterate that the, the strong balance sheet position that Tesla is in right now, right? With no debt, uh, 20 billion plus in cash. Um, it's really important now to have that cushion, in my opinion, to have the margin of safety, to, to be able to invest full steam ahead and to also be able to weather all the storms. So I, I really loved that. And uh, just a question for, for all of you guys. Um, uh, has anyone, anyone been um, yeah, uh, looking at the short interest? Are we, are we seeing some kind of um, uptick in, in the short attack? Or does anyone have, have any info on that? So all I know is that the short and, and 
Richard, you might be able to help us here, that they get reported every couple of weeks. And I don't think the new stats get reported until the end of, I think maybe sometime next week. Do, do any of you guys know that data? Yeah, I think yeah, it is reported, but again, it's not accurately reported because there's synth synthetic shorts and then there's shorts that have been eliminated. Uh, I, before we started, I was I, we, we were speaking because I'm involved in a case uh, against Fidelity involving short selling. And it's my impression that right now Tesla is the is currently being shorted more than any stock on the market at right now. Um, so and that's reflected in the sale price and the, the volatility in the sale price and the speed of the drop. And what happens clearly is uh, they short it. Uh, they reach certain price levels. People get margined out. That increases the pace of the of the decline. And it's all a vicious cycle. Mm -hmm. um, Olaf, tell us. Hey, hey, yeah, lots of great insights on the call for sure. Um, for me, uh, the lithium refine, refinery in Corpus Christi was obviously a big one for me. Like, wow, that's cool. Like, that's actually happening. They said um, <clears throat> typically it's a seven-year run rate for that, but Elon's aiming for two, which is crazy, just right up Elon's alley. <laughs> um, and another thing that stuck out to me was that uh, prior to the cuts that he was making, Twitter had about a four-month runway. Um, at the burn rate that they were going. So, um, you know, going from 8,000 to roughly 2,000 staff, like that obviously changes the game at probably their highest expense. So, um, and then also the thought of like, you know, we as outsiders can like look at what Elon's doing and think that it's taking up, you know, 90% of his time or 100% of his time in reality. Like, even if it was 100% of what a normal person's time is like a 40 hour week. That's still not even half of what Elon's time probably is. So um, it's, it's nice to hear him reassure that like, yeah, I'm spending a little time on Twitter, but it's not everything. Like I'm not missing the important meetings and all those other things. Um, of course, like we've mentioned the uh, quote of like no selling under any circumstances in 2023 is a huge thing. Um, and um, another thing, just from my background, like I'm, I'm a technical person, I run a streaming company for a living. Um, so I, I get Twitter spaces is providing a good value and like, I'm super happy to have Elon there, but there are a couple technical things that just drive me nuts. Um, like people jump in the line and unmeeting themselves and you know, that kind of whole <laughs> thing needs to get sorted out. Um, and then some sort of compression or normalization. So the audio levels are not like all over the place. Like those things would be super helpful and easy things for them to solve. That said, on the technical aspects of the streams, would, wouldn't it be cool if they make the, the next earnings report on spaces rather than the old antiquated telecommunication technology? Would I wonder if they would have to step forward. Yeah, I wonder if they would have to go to both places um, because of legal, but I'm not sure. You know, they might have to have a traditional infrastructure because certain... Um, Guidings and earnings need to be reported a certain way, but yeah, I would love to see it on Twitter as well. As soon as the as the Twitter is the the master one, and then the voice is beamed into the the telecom line, then fine. Not the other way around, because that wouldn't solve <laughs> anything. Yeah, no. Go ahead, Richard. Yeah, so I there were a couple other things in the call that I found interesting. One was when there was a discussion about 2023 Tesla uh, vehicles production, etc. There was a dichotomy between deliver between volume versus profit yeah and elon was asked a lot about that and i think in the end he said he deferred to volume over profit but we should understand that if he's saying he's deferring to volume over profit 
we could expect margins in 2023 to be significantly lower. And I think he was kind of laying that out. I found it interesting that Gary said, Gary Black said um, that he was more interested in volume and his partner was more interested in profit. And they had a, like a split internally. Um, I thought it was also interesting when, it, when he was asked about the $30,000 car, he, he referenced that this was not a place for discussion of new products. He didn't say that it wasn't in the pipeline. He kind of suggested that there was going to be another time where it was going to be discussed. And I thought that was very op optimistic. And number four, you know, there's a issue of uh, the inventory, the cars in inventory. And I saw plenty of postings yesterday watching those inventories drop like a rock. And I think like, in, especially in the United States, I think with the $7,500 reduction, that is going to be like, the chief Christmas present for a lot of people that ordinarily wouldn't have. And that inventory that is lagging, I think is going to be basically eviscerated by the end of the year, but at much lower margins. So I think like the projections of deliveries, I think we're going to be pleasantly, we're going to be pleasantly um, surprised on the upside and we're going to be depressingly uh, surprised on the downside in margins that's kind of what i would expect so I, I would push back on that a little bit um while while we do that producer wife i sent you a link in the private chat please bring this up uh, when you get a chance and then on the days of data to show box on the top if you could put 90 and hit go and display the chart that would be amazing thank you uh so i think the margins are depressed if his uh because he, he qualified it he said we were going to go profit or volume versus profit if there's if there's a recession like 2009, if there is a uh, economic condition like 2009. So to me, it's like a it's um like between a hard and a rock, like a rock and a hard place or whatever that you know that thing is. We're going to go volume, and so if that means eating into the margin margin, fine. There could be a situation though, and and this is sort of up for debate, and we can talk about this in our private thing. Is like, um, what if that doesn't happen and it's just an, an okay economy or like a recession that's not that bad then then what is what is the deal then um so that's we can debate that and then this talking about your inventory um question this is a, a website that's created by our um i'll let me send it to producer wife so you can put plug his uh his tweet as well um there is a tweet this is total new inventory. So somebody tracks uh, real time, uh, maybe not real time, maybe every like couple of hours, the amount of cars in inventory for Tesla uh, by day. And for the last, uh, I guess, 20 or so days or 60 or so days. So you can see in the last couple of days since uh, Tesla came out and said, hey, $7,500 credit, the, uh, new, <laughs> the new inventory has almost gone down in half. <laughs> so like 40% or so. So this is a pretty promising sign that says, hey, there is demand out there at the right price levels. What's interesting about this, though, is that come January 1st, that $7,500 come right back to Tesla through the EV tax credit, right? So essentially, they're, they're going to be able, theoretically, if this demand level re uh, sustains through the, uh, through the remainder of uh, next year, we have a data point that says people are willing to buy the car for this price. People are willing to buy the car for this price. And, and if... They can do this for the entire year. That's zero impact to margin in the U.S. And I think that's a that's a very uh, promising sign. 
but we'll see. I and mean, it's going to be tough to tell what's going to happen over time. Go ahead. Yeah, I just think the calculation changes. Like you're saying, it's basically basic supply and demand. Like, um, And the thought of like, as the price comes down, the demand increases, obviously. And so I think Elon's just trying to uh, balance or Tesla's trying to balance that um, by manipulating or changing um, the stock price. And so um, if the price goes down, they sell more. So volumetrically, they sell more. So like, even though the margin might be down, their total profits could relatively be the same. I guess the wild card is uh, China, because uh, China seems like it's New York City in 2021, the beginning of COVID. That's I mean, if you look at the reports out of China right now, it looks like the beginning of COVID in the United States. And um, that's a huge market. And, you know, they were obviously having economic issues in China previously with, you know, with the shitstorm that they're entering now, you know, that's going to be a drag. It won't be forever, but it'll be a drag at least in the short term. Yeah, if, yeah there's if you a look at their inventory. Sorry, Ola. Oh, go ahead. No, please, please. And if you look at their inventory, as the number of cars increases, you know, from year to year, we're going to, um, Tesla's going to continue to deliver more cars. Their buffer or their existing inventory will probably increase as well um, as they scale up. But it looks like, just based off of this chart and the conversations we're having now, is that inventory might have outpaced their growth rate. Um, therefore, they're incentivizing, you know, to lower that buffer or the existing inventory. Well, I think I think a lot of that is uh, actually let's let's hit this real quick. So uh, Borghan was talking about COVID in China. China estimates COVID surge is infecting 37 million people a day. Minutes from top uh, health body health body meetings show scale of hits so far. Virus unleashed in China after three years of keeping it out. Right, so that's one of the downfalls of this zero COVID policy that a lot of folks were debating. Is like you're going to have to deal with it at some point, and China decided to deal with it uh, almost three years later. Um, and so this has to run through the system. What, what's what's scary about this is that it's not just like obviously people's lives are at risk. That sucks big time. But you also think about they're already in a precarious position because of the shut of the, of the shutdowns for two years. And then you're deciding to then unleash this thing on top of that. What is that going to do for near or medium term demand? Um, Q1 in China might be a complete disaster because everybody's literally sick. <laughs> no one's going to be able to work. You, you know, know, it's not just, it's not just that with the sheer number of cases, unfortunately, it's going to spin out a bunch of new variants too. That's what happens. Mm. And uh, we're probably going to, experience new variants you know sometime this year that are rising out of, of out of china yeah that's a good point um what's the panel thinking any thoughts uh to continue forward from there because i have a few things that i want to i want to cover um okay i'll go ahead and do that so the three things that came up to me from the discussion um and i had my freaking tweet up and i took it away because i'm an amateur where is this while you, tweet? While you're doing that, I could I could yeah. jump in on another thought. So, Please. do we feel like the uh, Giga Shanghai um, rumors are are kind of muted now around them slowing down production and reducing shifts and that kind of stuff? Has that been kind of just? Um. So the question is the question is what? So there there were rumors around shanghai the factory um uh reducing hours and reducing output um and so my question is has that dissipated i haven't heard any rumors any additional rumors since the first one i think the last thing that i read was 
they're thinking of, yeah, there was like an 11 hour to nine and a half hour shift. There was a, uh, a shutdown for like six days or something, which they were going to use for factory upgrades. Outside of that, I haven't heard anything. I think this COVID piece is much bigger than whatever they're, whatever they're planning by far, because that's going to impact the entire population. By the way, you know, we talked about short short sellers earlier. I'm sorry, Olaf, if I, if I jumped on you. Okay. We talked about short, short sellers earlier. And, you know, part of the problem is that they publish false reports that stimulate negative sentiment. And again, Tesla, you know, we just see it every day. Short sellers benefit by producing garbage that impacts shares of stock. And there's very little enforcement against against it. And there's a First Amendment right to, you know, say what you believe also, that also is a protective. But that false information really is a negative drag on Tesla and all all stock. And it obviously should be an illegal practice, at least declared an illegal practice. Yeah. Yeah, and I thought it was worth mentioning just because um, it sounds like at this point it is a false story. So it helps us to, like, know as far as sources go and information goes like that's something that was false. So it's something that, you know, whoever the source was, we shouldn't, you know, believe anymore. Yeah. I don't believe anything anymore. <laughs> Literally. I just can't. I can't. My wife and I were talking about this producer wife. Uh, like, like I just believing is very hard. Trusting is any hard nowadays. That's why uh, Elon's sort of mission of um, like, you know the maximally trusted place is so admirable but then there's a whole debate of like exactly okay if you want to do that then you got to be impartial because <laughs> then half of the country won't trust you because of your politics right so it's like it's very very fascinating um how the how this stuff is playing out the three things i wanted to hit on the on the tesla side real quick so from the space number one um he said very confidently and again this is just words right that he's very confident tesla will be the largest market cap company in the world in five years so that he actually set some sort of timeline to it i think the first time he said that was like at some point i see tesla having the same size as uh what is it saudi aramco and uh apple combined or something like that right 4.2 trillion at the time so now he's like yeah in five years i'm confident we're going to get there okay so that's fascinating so that was one and of course, you could be saying that because everybody's pissed at him. <laughs> so it's like, guys, it's okay. You're an investor. You're fine. We'll get you there. Cool. Thank you for nothing. Uh, the other one is uh, one of the best. He he very very openly said that he feels very confident. I believe him in this. That Tesla is one of the best companies in the world, in the best position companies in the world to survive a severe recession. Outside of like um, bread and milk, right? He used it as an example, like commodities that are used. Uh, always, regardless if there's a recession or not, you can always count on X number of kilograms of bread going out the door every single day. Because if we don't, humanity falls apart. Okay, got it. So he feel he's he's grouping Tesla near that category at the top, which uh, I highly doubt any other car company can say that, especially with their debt load and their cash burn rate right now, which is which is good. And I think vocalizing that out uh, openly is 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 very very uh, interesting. The fact that he's still open to the idea of a buyback within the context of a severe recession is interesting because that to me signals that if there isn't a severe recession, a buyback is guaranteed, which basically says that there is utmost confidence in the ability of the company to generate cash flow moving forward. But again, this is just for people following the Tesla story. We know this by just looking at their freaking PL and their balance sheet. It's not that hard to see. 
as long as demand's still there. And then we can talk about that too. And then, um, yeah. And then the other two things you guys brought up, which is uh, prioritizing volume over profit and no more stock sales until about 2024, 2025. Um, those were my biggest takeaways. And I'm, and I'm very interested to see really the biggest dynamic that I'm so interested to see play out into next year is this volume versus profit thing, volume versus profit. So now, so what that's doing to me as somebody who likes to analyze these things is like now my, my scope has opened up dramatically to start viewing signals from a entire economy perspective to see if a recession, a severe recession is actually likely. So we all know the feds doing their thing. But then what about like the other car companies? So I'm going to be looking at every single one of their earnings reports. I'm going to be looking at, um, I don't know, uh, technology companies, earnings reports, anything that's discretionary, right? Like, so you and I would not buy if we felt like we were going in through a rough economic time. Cars is going to be a huge one, right? So I'm going to be analyzing every single one of the car makers uh, quarterly reports uh, as, a, as a signal and then try to figure out where else to go. Um, it's a very interesting time right I, like it just feels like something's going to happen next year and we don't know if it's like the greatest thing ever for tesla or the worst thing ever for everybody <laughs> right uh kuba go ahead or a bit of both or a bit of both actually. or a bit of both uh yeah. yeah it was an interesting insight from elon that uh with the with the raising rates uh it will be a really bad time for anything that's tied to debt when you have to buy it right like house or car predominantly but also any pay uh, buy now pay later later schemes that will possibly that all those companies are possibly going BK, I guess if it really gets uh, that bad. Um, and uh, I also wanted to touch a little bit. Maybe it's not now if we want to finish about this recent Twitter space, but also wanted to add a few points about the the previous one with George Hotz. Yeah, of course. Uh, but no, no. If, if this is a good time, or if you want to follow up on well, some of let's, the let's ask the panel. Topics. Did you guys want to hit anything else on the on the space uh, that was discussed yesterday with Elon? Is there something that's missing that we should hit? We do have an entire hour after this too in our private space. In case you guys want to hit it, no? Okay, go ahead, Kuba. Yeah. So the I, I saw this rumor that George decided to leave. Did you guys see if it's confirmed? Oh, it's confirmed to fin yeah. finish the internship. Yeah. Oh yeah. There wasn't uh, any good food. That's why he left, apparently. <laughs> I actually, as, as a software developer myself, I think that he left because he was told quite uh, clearly that there will be no refactoring. <laughs> that, okay. Um, that uh, refactoring, for those of you who don't know, is just working on the code and massaging it and making it a bit more usable before you actually add new features. And there's always a struggle between developers and management because management wants to add new features. Developers want to refactor so that their work is easier because they don't have to go into sort of spaghetti code, as we call it. Mm. And then they can add new features easier later. So there's always this struggle. But Elon was pretty adamant that, yeah, we have to... I really enjoyed this exchange that uh, George explained that, okay, so if you want to add new features while you're also changing all the backend to a new stack and then guaranteeing uptime, it's going to be very, very hard. And Elon said, yeah, nonetheless, that's what will have to happen. <laughs> so <laughs> Tough love, but yeah, we're doing it. There's no other way. So I really, really enjoyed that and uh, shows me that there's huge determination to turn this ship around because from what they were describing, the adding, they, they cannot add even simplest features because the, the code base is so messed up and so fragmented into different microservices, some working 
on-premise, some are the known server, some are working in, in the cloud. So there's a communication then is difficult, etc. It's a proper mess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's quite, quite insightful. And uh, I'm surprised that he didn't do any due diligence on that before, because it's actually possibly delaying his plans quite a bit. But on the other hand, I think that he possibly expected that. And he was mostly interested in the users and he was expecting to rewrite all of Twitter anyway. At some point, yeah. That's what I was thinking was happening. Was basically they were going to do the fundamentals, you know, building blocks. I'm sorry if I don't speak the right terms here, but like they were going to basically rewrite the foundation of Twitter. That way, they could vertically, you know, add those features faster. But it sounds like, based off of what you picked up from that conversation with George and Elon, that um, they're trying to do both at the same time. Um, and yeah, I could definitely see why that would be super frustrating. Yeah, I think I think what's it's par for the course on how what I saw at when I was working at Tesla is like, we don't care how hard it is. We have to do it to <laughs> figure out how to do this thing. But I only have sticks and stones. At least you have something, <laughs> you know, like that's the mentality. Right. Um, I, I do think it's it's a user based thing. I really do think that Twitter, there's no way that I mean, him and Jack are friends. Jack ran Twitter. I mean, he may have been an absent CEO for a, a portion of it, but I'm sure he knows. He has an idea of how big of a mess the code is. And there's no way, you know, behind the scenes. <laughs> I just read your message. <laughs> there's, there's no way behind the scenes that, you know, they're not talking to each other and saying, Elon, dude, like this thing sucks, bro. Like the code sucks. You know, they're, they're, they're buddies. He's, and Elon's like, what? Did you try this? Did you try this? Did you try this? Yeah, but it's so hard. It's like, I can't get people to figure out. What's more frustrating here, like check this. This is how bad the previous Twitter management is. And I'm not talking about the, the 8,000 or the 6,000 people that were laid off or left. I'm talking about probably like five or 10 leaders at the company that are just straight terrible business leaders. Has Twitter changed anything in the last five years, right? Imagine all that time you had to clean that code up and you didn't. And you didn't release anything new. What were those 8,000 people doing? What's happening in that company? It's become so clear, so clear that the previous management at that company was awful. Awful. I'm not going to talk about them as people or humans, as humans, but as business leaders, completely awful. You, it's unacceptable, right? So, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm 100% sure he knew that. I'm 100% sure he knew that. And it's clear that it's a network effect play. And uh, one could argue that $44 billion, I mean, all the attention he's getting from this whole thing is like wild, right? He's always in the news, it seems like, at least in the US. I don't know if that's the case in, in Poland uh, and, and other parts of the world. And this is I'm actually super, so interested to hear you all talk about this because we have Remo from uh, Switzerland and Kuba from Poland. Like, there's a lot of news with Elon Musk and a lot of the uh, mainstream media sites there's a lot of drama, but um, actually, let me just ask you guys: what What's the tone of Elon Musk in in y'all's countries? Like, do you keep up with your media at all? What What are people saying? Um, maybe we'll go Remo first, and then Cuba. What's, what's the vibe? Yeah, that was actually really interesting. So he's really a lot in the news here as here as well in the German speaking part of of Europe, and also Switzerland, for example. Um, I found out about the. The poll uh, whether he should uh, leave Twitter as CEO, I found that on on the local news site, so so it was featured really prominently, and uh, yeah, so he's he's discussed. I think he's not as negatively discussed here, 
as possibly in other parts of the world. But I think, uh, especially in Germany, with the with the legacy car um, industry, of course, I think he's also really critically uh, discussed. I, I did a, a really uh, interesting interview with with Alex uh, Vogt uh, this this week about that. But here in Switzerland, I think it's more neut neutral. But he's really a lot in the news. Got it. Switzerland, the ever neutral country. Kuba, what about you? <laughs> Thank um, you, and Poland, and uh, in, in my tech savvy cycles, uh, people are are quite interested in what's happening in the states, and they use Twitter. So my personal perspective is a bit skewed. But all the people that don't follow Elon or Tesla too closely, they just rely on the on the headlines from the media that is uh, has a negative bias, right? So then I have to explain to them that no, it's actually not how it works. Like he he didn't ban the journalists because they were criticizing them. He banned them because of the of the flight tracking, etc. And it's quite actually quite a serious risk because his child was in danger, and that's he when when he had enough. For example, and yeah, it's always a struggle because uh, those headlines are quite terrible. But uh, the general public in Poland, I think that they couldn't care less about what's happening on Twitter. And I, I kind of believe that it's like that all over the world, to be honest. Uh, so that's why, yeah, I don't think that globally Tesla's demand is much affected by whatever Twitter uh, Elon is doing on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, but that said, this, the, the States is still a big, a big market, so it definitely has an effect, but I don't think it extends much beyond the, the States and possibly Great Britain. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't see, I mean, I really, I've tried to test this theory a lot and it's hard to, hard to quantify because it's such a nebulous, like political, emotional concept and those things are like impossible to quantify. I was on Dave's channel and we talked about like, you know, the, the the science versus the philosophy. This is like where both are coming together now, right? Like like how people feel and how what what people's moral compass is is like it's very different than sitting down and studying physics. Like nobody knows what the hell's going on, right? But what pops into mind is like, okay, would Mr. Beast, who has 122 million followers on YouTube, whose uh uh his uh, audience is predominantly young people but it's gigantic it's a hundred percent entertainment would he come out on twitter and say hey elon can i be the next twitter ceo if elon was a toxic brand i don't think so if if, if you get your youtube channel to 122 million people you're probably really good at business you know what you're doing would you associate yourself with something that's that you think it's going to diminish your brand i don't think so i really don't think so that's number one number two marcus brownlee who's uh who has uh, the channel mkbhd he also has autofocus brand new channel if y'all don't know who mkbhd is please go check it out probably the best tech reporter out there in my opinion there's so many great ones um linus tech tips is another one he's phenomenal there's so many and uh a couple of days ago he came out with a review a thirty thousand mile review of the model s plaid and uh right in the thick of this craziness with elon and he called it my favorite daily driver ever uh, i love this car it's amazing would somebody with 18 million subscribers on YouTube and a huge platform associate themselves with a toxic brand, right? Like these are these are the kind of things I'm trying to test here. And so I, I, I think I've, I've really come to the conclusion that Elon Musk as a brand and Tesla as a brand are two completely different things, two completely different things. There is some overlap between one and the other. And there is a significant portion of the investing base in Tesla and the customer base, especially the legacy customer base that I think 
um, intertwine those two, right or wrong. I just think this is what I'm observing. And they view Elon Musk as an individual, as somebody that has been aspirational and very humanitarian and unifying over time. And now he's becoming a little bit more divisive. And he's saying some stuff that's unbecoming of somebody that is holding that role, right? But then that they're conflating the Tesla story at the same time, or it's being conflated. Like, I don't, I don't want to speak for other people. I feel like it's being conflated. And so, and so as an investor, as a Tesla investor, what I'm trying my hardest to do is say, is my personal opinion of Elon going to change Tesla's trajectory? And so far, I just don't see anything remotely close uh, that, that's, that, where that's the case. And for example, today's data with them lowering the price to 7500 bucks to get ready for the IRA tax credit, my God, it's like half the inventory is gone in the US. Would people that were upset about the brand really do that? No. So what's the signal? People don't care. Or they put a value proposition over moral compass, right? And, the, and the, I think the, num and the number of people that are going to vote with their moral compass, right or wrong. You know, I'm not going to tell people how to think here. Like everybody's correct in, in a sense. But the percentage of the population that can afford or is willing to do that, I think is single digit percent at best, at best in the United States and fractional digit percentage globally, right? Most people, I don't really think, I don't, I just, I don't think they have the time to figure out if the thing they're buying is being made by somebody that aligns with their moral compass. I think ultimately it's value proposition first. And so as an investor, that's what I look at. And so now could this, could this mean that over time, maybe in five to 10 years of Elon goes down this path of say divisive rhetoric and picking a side and not being clear in his intention, could this be uh, potentially damaging long, long term? Yes, it could be. But so far, at least to the, I really think to get to 20 million cars per year and to be the most profitable company in the world, none of this matters. I really do feel from, from, a, from an investing thesis perspective, his personal brand and what he stands for is a completely different story. And I think those two things have to be segregated and looked at differently. Um, and I think like, it's just, that's what I've been constantly thinking about. It's like, it's hard to shut off my brain on that because it's like dominating so much of the discussion when you get thousands of people in your DMs and your comments saying, Oh my God, what's going on? Elon's losing his mind. I'm like, I don't know what to tell you. It's very confusing. <laughs> you know, so I'm trying my best to be diligent and um, figure out what the hell's going on. Those are my opinions. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts around that, but that's, that's where I'm landing. That's where I'm landing. I'm going to tell you my personal experience. And one, the question, I'm going to throw out a question. Can you buy the car and not the stock? So would it keep you maybe from not buying the stock, but you buy the product? And maybe we see that. My personal experience is, so I have a son who lives in near uh, uh, Cupertino that works for Apple, and he thinks uh, Elon's a monster. I have a son who lives in New York, uh, who's a lawyer who would like to work for Tesla. I have a poker group that is right of center, California right of center. And some are actually Tesla owners, but they think that that Elon's a knucklehead. And I see on local TV and I've heard on the local sports talk radio station, Elon discussed and made fun of. So that's the that's my Southern California view. OK, so, so are you drawing any conclusions from that? 
No, just saying that you might get a different experience based upon the ge geography that you're looking at. A hundred percent. I a hundred percent agree with that. Yeah. Any any other thoughts? Go ahead, Kuba. Yeah, go ahead, Olaf. You were first. <laughs> it's all good. No, I'm I'm also in Southern California. Uh, Borkan and I are like uh, 45 minutes from each other, or something like that. But so for me, generally speaking, prior to Twitter and everything going on. I feel like 90% of people didn't care, like weren't paying attention. 8% of people disliked Elon, generally speaking. And 2% are our circle of friends right now. <laughs> the people who like are passionate about Tesla and get what's going on. I think post-Twitter and in the midst of everything going on, that bigger 90% number is, is shrinking. More people are getting pulled into this, like hate, hate on Elon. So it's more like 80, 18, and still like the 2% who are still pro-Elon, generally speaking. Um, but the larger number, that 90% or 80%, like if you ask the typical person, either they don't care, like we're saying, or they're, oh, isn't that the guy who, you know, mistreats his people? Or isn't that the guy who, you know, is crazy and like does this? Or, you know, there's occasional people who are like, oh, isn't that the guy who sent a rocket into space? So that part's cool. But yeah, generally speaking, um, most people just don't care. But I wanted to make a quick point about um, what... Farzad was talking about, and I love the Dave Lee interview. So if you haven't seen it, go see it because they've got some good stuff there. But um, if you look at like the dollar stores or Dollar General and Five and Below, all those kind of like cheap um, stores, essentially, th that's been one of the fastest growing brands over the last like five or 10 years. And that's because ultimately people, at least in America, don't really care where it comes from. <laughs> Even though like if you source the material, you understand where that comes from. It's basically cheap Chinese crap that's been imported, right? So the American public doesn't really care. Like they just want cheap stuff, right? And I think over time, Amazon's another great example. Farzad's mentioned that on the channel as well. Like people don't really care. They just want cheap stuff. Like, um, And so they're self-serving ultimately. And I think over time, that's going to continue to happen as the prices of Teslas go down. Like people are going to just be self-serving. Kuba? Yeah, and, and uh, coming back to MKBHD and Mr. Beast, uh, the, this actually, I think, shows also that uh, it's possibly an age dynamic here at play that younger people are possibly more okay. And those are the people that those two creators target. Uh, because that's who is on YouTube mostly, and it's the like the establishment, but not in the political sense, but all the people entrenched in the media and the, the local radio stations that were mentioned, etc. People who are like in positions of power, bigger or smaller power, uh, currently uh, that don't really understand what Elon is up to and why he's doing what he's doing and he just seems odd and they don't completely don't understand him uh so that's that's what i would point out also that it's so that gives me hope because that means that with time it will get better and better yeah are you calling us all grumpy people kuba is that what you're saying bro <laughs> i'm 37 so i don't think i have the right to do that <laughs> Um, let's do, let's prep a few questions in the comments, uh, before we wrap up and go to the private discord, uh, producer wife, just keep an eye open, type question before your question. We'll do a couple and then we'll go. Um, any, any, any other thoughts around this topic of brand Elon Musk, Tesla, or anything else anybody wants to bring up real quick? Uh, go ahead. I was just curious, like, I was thinking there's a lot of buyback talk and my, my thought is like, what if there is a decision and obviously we're not Elon and we're not Tesla, but like, what if the decision is this, like, is it better or would you prefer to have 
Tesla buy back shares or would you rather have Tesla uh, invest in multiple um, factories? So like Mexico, Canada, you know, the other cities that they're looking at, like if, if you had that choice, which one would you make? Open question. Yeah, I think it's a false choice because they always mention that they're only going to use the funds for the buyback if they are not able to spend it in any other way, right? And they're spending as fast as they can, limited mostly by the by the people that are available, I think. Uh, so yeah, but if if it were such a such a dilemma, definitely just grow, right? And we'll reap the rewards later. That's where I stand. I think also that if if he doesn't think they're going to accumulate cash in 2023. That's more reason not to do a buyback. I mean, if he thinks margins are going to be really low and they're just going to kind of be in the same position and they're going to use cash and obviously they're, well, it appears they're building a plant in Mexico. I think the initial costs I read were about a billion dollars uh, with a potential of 10 billion on a full build out, build out. But if he doesn't think they're going to accumulate cash, he's got to save the cash really for those factories. Once he feels comfortable that they can start accumulating again, then I think the buyback comes back on the table. I agree. I agree with that. Um, go ahead. Uh, any last thoughts before we do Q and A? Yeah, I com completely agree. I think the factories are the priority, and the buyback is just a secondary thing. And, and most people, I think, would say that it's way more way more important to have factories and multiple factories than any sort of buyback. Yeah. yeah, because if you keep money in cash, well, you're, what you're actually doing is you're investing in the dollar, right? So the question is, if you can invest in something else, that would yeah. be more useful. Suresh, thank you very much for the $5 super chat. He exposed the FBI. So this is Twitter files, which, by the way, we can talk about this on the private server, but blew my mind. He exposed the FBI. There will be consequences. There will be uh, there will spread FUD about him and his baby Tesla. Um, yeah, my, my pushback there is what have they been doing for the last 10 years? <laughs> There's been a lot of that already. So it could very well ramp up big time. I could very much see that. So but that's another great point. I think ultimately, I'm going to make this point and then we'll go to Q&A. Um, if Twitter can become more trusted on average than the people trust their own governments in general, I think Twitter could become the actual town square that he's trying to create. But you have to cater to 80% of the population that trusts or doesn't trust their own government. Forget the extremes, right? If Twitter can be more trusted than world governments or the localized governments, then you can say, hey, our, what we're doing here is actually important versus what your political leaning is telling you, right? But if you're potentially creating rhetoric or divisiveness that's going to alienate a significant percentage of the population that doesn't allow them to come to your place and, and trust it more than the local government, all Twitter is all Twitter will become is a political pawn. And this is what Dave Lee has sort of stated in his channel that really resonates with me. So the goal for, for Twitter is to be maximally trusted truly, but rhetoric is a big part of it from the leader, from the dude that controls it. So we'll see if Elon thinks the same. And we'll see, we'll see if there's any adjustment uh, on this. Uh, who knows? It could just be like, the, could, the play could just be for the next two to three years, get, just get the engineering done, rewrite the code, launch new stuff in parallel, get it to a billion users, make it super badass, and then take a public step down, let the public own it, and then let a bunch of engineers run it, 
uh, and have a, a open source code and a panel of folks that make um, decisions that's pulled by the user base to make changes from a policy perspective. And then that's how you create it maximally trusted. I don't know, but it's going to be fascinating to watch. Let's do a couple questions and then we'll go to our private um, Discord. Um, yeah, just so much, just so much going on. MC. Um, question. Does Elon pull in more right-leaning and moderate people as Tesla customers with his actions? Uh, that's that's an interesting question. Ross Gerber actually drew, uh, did a poll on Twitter. Ross Gerber is a is a uh, he owns a fund for those that are not familiar, and he's a big Tesla bull. He polled uh, political leanings, and I think sixty percent what that came back from his user base was independent, which was an interesting data point. How do you guys think about this question? So. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to step into the boiling hot water here for a second and, and piss a bunch of people off. It's going to be great. You ready? So I extremely dislike the democratic party. I extremely dislike the Republican party. Like I think that the divisive nature of having this two party system is frustrating. Um, so however, for work, I was on, um, a political tour. I hit like 25 or 30 cities with the right, you know, Republican side, um, which is supposed to be like pro, you know. Uh, Republican, essentially. And so with that background in mind, um, prior to the Twitter fiasco, everything going on here, most of the time, they were poking fun at Elon, right? And so recently, um, I haven't been on that same um, work or job. Um, However, I I have seen a little bit of um, more of my conservative friends moving um, towards Elon as a positive person. However, that's going to change again, like the next time he does what Elon does, you know, like, so I think that flip flop is going to continue to happen. And even though I think in the short term, there might be more conservative types moving towards Elon and seeing, you know, pro business and pro whatever. um, I think that's that's short lived. Any other thoughts? I hate. Yeah, I hate the Republican and Democratic parties. I hate them both. I think I do too. United, by the way, yeah, yeah, we're in good good company. I think the United States should have at least three or four meaningful parties. I don't think we should have twenty five like other countries, but we should have three or four. And so I would answer this question. I think he appeal Elon appeals to more right leaning and moderate people. Whether that impacts Tesla, I can't say. I don't necessarily think that translates to um, sales or not sales. I think it just tr- translates to like or dislike of Elon. Any other thoughts from the panel? All right, next question. The the, the one thing I'll add maybe is uh, um, I think his personal nature appeals to right-leaning and moderate, but his businesses very well have appealed left-leaning, right? And that's like the weird dichotomy because I think from the his standpoint, is like, I'm just making useful stuff. I'm making hum- like stuff that's going to change the future of the world, and I it's just it, it's just so happened that the how Tesla was executed, green energy, uh, sustainable transport, sustainable energy generation. These are all things that typically the left leaning political party was very much attracted to, but then once his say his his personal biases or whatever you want to call it started coming to light, it creates cognitive d- dissonance. But what's interesting is that in very long time, I, I watched an interview with Elon, he self-identifies as a libertarian, which adds another layer to this, right? Which says, wow, could people be complex? Oh my God, people are 
different things no way and this is like this whole thing for me is like okay just people are different they have diff like nobody's one thing or another that's why groups are so like frustrating so anyway next one let's turn this into a political podcast should we just kidding jay lizard question uh 1.7 trillion dollars how will it affect the market uh olaf further invest uh in mexico mexico is a car manufacturing gold mine near austin plant um go for it i i think i understand this question so 1. Trillion is 1.7 trillion is that the cost towards like gigafactories then that's the bill that's yeah. the omnibus bill that was just passed yeah are you familiar with it i'm not actually okay does somebody want to give their two cents yeah. It's just that basically, I think the Senate passed a bill that has a ton of different uh, expenses. He put up a poll on Twitter that said, hey, uh, are you for or against? Most people were against because it was a lot of just as usual. It's a 4000 page freaking bill that no one has the time to read. And they just pushed it through <laughs> because that's how the U.S. government works nowadays. Um, yeah, but I don't know. It's funding for the government to operate. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know how the question relates to mexico so this one might be a little confusing jay lizard maybe we'll table this for our private discussion because I'm, I'm having a tough time Do, does anybody understand the question sorry yeah maybe I we don't. can reword it and try again I, I, I am in agreement generally speaking when government spends money it's probably less efficient than how twitter was spending their money before this so I agree the mexico factor is going to be a gold mine because labor is going to be cheap it's close to texas there's already a dedicated lane. Seems like a great setup. And Mexico is going to invite Tesla there. They're probably going to be less environmental restrictions. They're probably going to get the plan up faster than they would in, in the United States. So I think it's all good. Yeah, yeah. as long as the cartels take less than 10%. <laughs> this is the question that no, no one ever wants to ask. <laughs> Cartel Apple tax at 30%? <laughs> Yeah, I my the biggest thing I'm interested in is who's going to have the better tacos, Giga Texas or Giga Mexico, right? <laughs> That's what I'm really interested in. We have to um, send George Hutz to investigate. Yeah, <laughs> Fremont, get out. Oh, I guess I guess Fremont. Yeah, California does have a very very uh, diverse um, folks. A lot of Mexicans live there too. Let's do one more if we can. Let's do one more and then we'll go to our private chat. Ba -ba -da -da. Question: How do I post interest? In being on a future video panel, I will spend a tip once credit card updates. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, so so the way these panels, perfect segue. Oh my God, TN, what a segue, bro. It's like you're like reading our minds here. So the folks on our panel are community members. They've, uh, they're supporting the channel through either Patreon or YouTube. Uh, any tier that you support, it will essentially give you access to a private Discord. And then we give uh, use our private Discord to have honestly guys like i'm so proud of the community we're building because the, the kind of discussions that we have in there are so high quality i think it's it's i would like to think it's a, one of the best places for folks that are really interested in the tesla and elon musk sort of story spacex not broadening into twitter who might get into politics who the frick knows like it's just such a weird thing that's happening right now but the the level of uh discourse is phenomenal and so th these panels are meant as a way for all of us to come together, have these discussions openly to try to bring voice to the community. Because usually, you know, like I've been called an influencer, which I hate that word. But like, I, I'm just going to call myself a dude on YouTube, right? I'm a dude on YouTube that's making videos. And 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 a lot of the Tesla community is doing the same. We're just making uh, YouTube. And it's a one-way relationship. It's like, here's our thoughts. The thoughts behind these panels is like, let's actually sit down as a community and discuss these together because what I might be thinking about as somebody who has an audience 
could bounce differently from the community. And that's why I think these are very, very important. And that's why we have a comment section so that the folks in the comments can also throw in their, their, their ideas as we're all talking together to try and flesh out the ideas and where we think it's going. So long story short, Patreon or YouTube. Um, and with that, we're actually going to use the segue to say that we're going to go to Noah's segment now. We're going to call it officially because uh, this was Noah's idea. Hey, why don't you like, it would be awesome if we do like a private session after the live stream to like continue talking about it, you know, without a camera and microphone or without a camera in our face publicly. I'm like, that's a great idea. Let's do it. So we're going to go do that. If you want to be part of that, consider becoming a patron or sign up to YouTube. And uh, yeah, any last words before we go from anybody on the panel? Yeah, there's an alternative way to get on the panel. Just DM me and send me your bank account. I mean, I'll send you my bank account information and feel free to uh, hit me up. Thank you. Spoken like a true lawyer. Thank you. Anybody else before we go? Three? Yeah, I'll just add because I think it uh, wasn't clear also that once you're on the Discord, you participate in the chats. And if you want to go on the video, just raise your hand and since you're let in, there are no gatekeepers or any huge requirements. You just have to right. be polite and... And that's it. Perfect. Olaf, Remo, any any parting words? Yeah, just maybe to always remember to take a step back. And in in the end, I think it's it's all about the product. It's all about really, um, like this famous quote by Benjamin Graham: "In the short term, everything is a voting machine. In the long term, it's a weighing machine. We are trying to grow an elephant here, so it will take time. And I think all of these." Um, things right now in the short term, Twitter and stuff, it actually won't matter in the long term. It's all about the product and how they will execute. And I think it it will be fine. And uh, what's the opinion of Elon, I think really doesn't uh, matter in, in the end, whether people will will buy the products or not. So um, yeah, let's, let's always keep that in mind when we're in in those uh, discussions. Great thoughts. Olaf, take us, take us away. Come on, Noah. I love it. Yeah, I'm, I he said everything I was going to say. Go Remo, go check out his channel. <laughs> yeah, um, and I, I was curious, as far as I can, you talk us through what the next hour looks like, as far as Discord and how do we connect them? I have no idea. Just go on Discord. We'll figure it out. <laughs> 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 we'll do a Tesla style. I don't know. Thank you, everybody. Uh, we'll see you soon. Ha- Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, y'all. Please enjoy this weekend. Take it to yourselves. Hope you're spending it in the best way possible. Love you guys. Thank you. We'll see you around.